This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We're going to jump right in in just a minute here. Before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com. There are tons of resources and, and books and articles, other podcast episodes, Jim, that they can listen to. In fact, we we encourage you, if you're curious, if we've covered a topic just go to the podcast page. It's set up really well to, to go through and see everything that we've done for the last several years. That's the best way to see if we haven't done a topic. If we haven't, well, then you can go to the contact page of the website and write us and say, hey, will you cover this topic? We also put it up on social media. We got several responses today, so thanks for those who are mentioning that. We'll, we're trying to get to a few topics that were, were mentioned. We'll do the best we can around that, but thank you for your suggestions around that. You can also go to iTunes and write a review for us. On the podcast, you go to Trench Talk, Practical Shepherding Podcast on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, you can find us and you can write reviews there. We check those and are helped by just getting your feedback around that. We are going to cover a topic today that I was shocked, Jim, we hadn't covered yet. But we haven't. At least in, for a lot of years we haven't covered, and that's on funerals. To talk about funerals, we've actually gotten several requests around uh, talking about funerals. Now, those of you, we have a, a book in our ministry uh, called Conduct Gospel Center Funerals. It's a book I wrote with Phil Newton, uh, actually 10 years this year when oh. that book came out. What's amazing is there was really nothing on funerals 10 years ago when we wrote this book, and kind of shockingly, there's not a whole lot since then. Mm. Uh, so this seems to be a, a book that a lot of people have used, in, and it's written, it's a, it's meant to be accessible. It's 100, 140, 130 pages. It's meant to be read quickly, you know, and... Well, if you get called for a funeral, you got like two days to figure out what right. you're going to do. Not the time to write it, right. to read a 400-page book. So you can you can reference that. But uh, we wanted to talk about funerals today. One because you know, Jim, this is one of the central, just foundational things that a pastor does in a local church. Mm. If you are a pastor and you haven't done a funeral yet, and you're in a local church, just wait. It's right. coming. Uh, death is a reality for everyone, and. Uh, Obviously, some pastors do more funerals than not. An elderly congregation will have a lot of, obviously, a lot more funerals a lot of times. But this is something every pastor has to think through. So we want to be able to tackle this, and we want to get really practical around these things. But first, Jim, will you set it up for us? What, what are some? There's, there's no specific text that talks about a funeral in the New Testament. So, what kind of text do we want to turn to to try to think about how to do funerals? Brian, you're right. There's no explicit text that even that tells pastors that this is a part of your pastoral duty. Uh, I do think you have uh, in First Thessalonians chapter four a, a general recognition that believers will minister to other believers during a time of loss and you know comfort one another with these words. Yeah. Uh, and so the reminders of certain truths that come to come about when somebody has passed uh, and the knowledge and the hope of the resurrection that, that you have and the hope of the second coming. And again, we are we are all of us to comfort one another with words like that. And so I think there's a whole church-wide uh, element in funerals there. Uh, you have our Lord uh, at a burial in John chapter 11. And of course, in that regard, there are several things that are appropriate, I think, for the discussion of funerals, our Lord's emotional investment in what was going on, as well as his uh, hope that he points to in himself. And again, the hope of the resurrection mm. that comes out there. So I think there are things that we can learn and glean uh, from uh, passages like that. And Brian, uh, for me, another one is our Lord's parable, 
well, some some question whether it's a parable, but the 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 rich man and Lazarus, yeah, yeah, and where you you have in essence, and I, this is something that's hit me over the years. You have, in essence, a man uh, in hell pleading for somebody to speak, as it were, at his funeral yeah. to warn other people about Good that point. place. Yeah. And so uh, I have used that as a reminder that, that wherever this, wherever the, the departed is, they would desire me to share the gospel mm-hmm. uh, at this venue. Yeah. If, they're, if they're not in heaven, they want me to share the gospel. Certainly if they are in heaven, they want me to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that more fully. But I think those are the texts that I would, yeah. I would consider in regard to uh, working out uh, how, how uh, I would do it and why I would do a funeral. Yeah, those are good texts, and I think I'm reminded in the First Thessalonians 4 passage you mentioned, the context of that is important to know as we reference it, that the Thessalonians were coming to Paul and saying, what happens to our bodies after we die? Mm-hmm. And that, in essence, seems to be the question they were asking that Paul's responding to them in. Mm. And that's where he goes into... Yeah, in 1 Corinthians 15 as well, obviously. As, as well, as yeah. about the resurrection. He, so in First Thessalonians 4, he uh, he's that's that great passage where we, the Christ's return and and um, and all all the things that come with that. And that he says, comfort one another with those those words. But the context of that was in regard to people wrestling through what happens to us? What happens to our bodies? What happens to right. our souls when we die? And so that is that is an important text. I, I assume we'll also come back to to John eleven in a few minutes, yeah. anyways, as we talk about this. But but yeah, those are some key texts I think that point to the fact that uh, I mean the re, the obviousness of life and death is is always present around us, having to deal with these things. Mm. And certainly, if pastors want to be about eternal work in the in the work of the ministry that I'm convinced that the hospital room and the funeral home are mm. the two most significant places for ministry yeah. and on a day-to-day basis for a pastor because those are the places that create this understanding with everybody involved in whatever situation it is. You can't avoid this. You cannot yeah. avoid the reality of sickness. You can't avoid the reality of death. And I just I just want to go ahead and put this out, out there for this, Jim, that those are the moments pastors need to look for. I'm watching a lot of I watch a lot of pastors, especially younger pastors, kind of running away from the hospital room and running mm. away from the funeral home. Mm. And, I, and I, just, I want to be on, on record that we've said it before many times. The hospital room and the funeral home are the places you want to run to if you want to go to the places where significant ministry happens, where God's really at work to get people's attention from a spiritual nature. Now, if you want to run away from hard things... Run away from the hospital right, room. Right. Run away. I think that's part yeah, of the issue. No, that's right. part these, of are hard, these are hard things. <clears throat> so yeah. So funerals. There's a ton we could we could say about it. But let's just hit some some basic ideas around this. We want to think in a few categories as we have this conversation. One is so you're a pastor of a local church. You have a church member that dies, and you're asked to do the funeral. So that's probably the most natural and obvious situation funeral wise that a pastor is going to face. And so let's talk about that. What are some logistics that a pastor needs to think about if his own congregation member dies and you have and you're asked to do the funeral? Uh, what kind of things do we need does that pastor need to be thinking about, Jim? Well, I think this is the easiest one. Right. This so is the start, easiest this here. is yeah. the easiest funeral. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully it is somebody you know. I mean, that we, I, you can't take for granted that every pastor knows every member of their congregation. Let's assume they but do. But let's assume yeah, they do. That's right. So I think, Brian, there are things you want to look at pre-funeral, funeral, and maybe say a little something post-funeral. Yep. But pre-funeral, 
this would involve your meeting with the family. Right. I think meeting certain expectations that the family has. What what part do you do they want you to have? Don't don't just assume and don't. I, I think there's going to be a tension between the fact that we could just take over everything because they're in particular if it's unexpected um, or it's a particularly painful loss. They're in grief. There's a lot going on, a lot of decisions, and it could be very easy for them to say, Pastor, could you just handle everything? Sure. But I think you're going to want to find out what are some things you want to have said. You know, What are some things maybe you may want to do some interviewing with the family about the deceased, about things that you may maybe don't know about. If they're older, you know, well, where were they born? And, and maybe a little bit about their background. When did they get married? How long were they married? Uh, I mean, I know you all, are there other people, were there other family members, still brothers, sisters, you know, whatever it is, there may be some of that. The gathering of information. The gathering of some, gathering of some information. Yep. Uh, so I think some of that is, is pre, and again, that we're going to then, as you enter into the funeral, we're going to ask, okay, am I, am I, uh, Am I coming in as somewhat of a master of ceremonies? And that is that I lead the service. I introduce things. I introduce scripture reading, introduce uh, hymns maybe that will be sung or songs that will be sung or a variety of speakers. Or is it simply my job to come up and read the scriptures and to preach the gospel mm-hmm. and, and, and or to, to do something with the word of God? And I think that what we want to recognize, again, I think for members of our church, that generally speaking, what they want, and I've had some tell me this quite explicitly in their in their dying days, that they don't want their funeral to be uh, about them. They want it to be about the Lord Jesus. They want it to be able to be about the gospel. They want us to be able to speak to loved ones who need to hear Christ, and, and they want those who are believers to be able to be comforted. Yep. Now... Mm-hmm. We need to back up a second yeah. because before we get more into the service stuff, there's one more, there's another pre-service step part, and that's, you know, the logistics with the funeral home and mm-hmm. those who are preparing the body, mm-hmm. whether it's usually a funeral home that's doing this. So I would just, you know, go potentially either have a phone conversation or meet with the funeral home director who's in charge of that because every funeral home is different. Right. So even though you may have done one way at one funeral home many times, you don't assume it's the same everywhere. So part of the pre-funeral logistics, go talk to the funeral home, find out what you need to know about how they do things. Mm-hmm. Because a pastor who goes in and doesn't come in and say, all right, this is what's got to be done because I always do it this way. Right. But to go in and serve that funeral home by just submitting at least as much as you're able to their process is a great way to establish a good relationship with the funeral home. So let me yeah. put that on the side there for, for the conversation. Yeah. So again, I, th- I think you're going to want to know with the family again what what are what are the expectations? Yeah. What what do they want done? For some, they want something very simple. For others, uh, they may want something a bit more elaborate. Uh, they're going to be uh, are there going to be eulogies? Are there going to be? Are you expected to do that? Are you expected to give a biography uh, of the one who has passed? Right. I do think Brian, it is appropriate. Uh, where we can, uh, and that again, particularly getting back to, we're doing the funeral for somebody that we know and love and that we have served, uh, to be able to identify in the situation, to be able to speak of our own knowledge, friendship, yep. our own grief. I think that that is very appropriate, and I and I, and I have found it effective. 
uh, to be able to weave their testimony into whatever scriptural presentation yeah, that, that I'm that's giving. Good. That's good. Because uh, if there are unbelievers there and, and you have a desire for them to you know to hear the gospel, it can be very helpful for them to hear the words that their loved one. I want to tell you something that your father wanted yeah. me to say, or that's something good. that your uncle or your grandpa. You know, he loved you very much, and he was, and he very much wanted you to hear this. One of the benefits that we have as a church, uh, Brian, is that we have we ask people to write their testimony before they become a member uh-huh. of the church. Yep, yep. And we keep those things on file. And so, at some of the funerals I've done, I've been able to go back and to actually read the testimony. Oh, that's great. That's uh, great. Of the one who has departed, and just say, "Let me tell you in their own words." And and, and there's something I th- I find very powerful. Uh-huh. Uh, and helpful in that. No, that's really great. And I think what we're talking about, especially when you have, I mean, the irony is the saints that die and say, you know, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about Jesus. Exactly the people you want to talk about them to the people, (laughs) because they're usually were people who are, it's, it's, their lives were worth celebrating. Yes. So I want to say that as much as, yes, you want to try to honor the requests of the, of the dying requests of the person, what we're talking about here, the eulogy side of things, what we usually call this, the the remembering of the deceased, you sharing personal things, you sharing on behalf of other family, maybe even other family members coming and speaking, that's actually part of the grieving process. Yeah. So even when someone says, "Hey, don't talk about me, just talk about Jesus," it's like, "Okay, I'll talk a lot about Jesus too." Right. But but you need part of the grieving. A funeral is to help people present grieve and engage that grief. And that's how you do that. Right. And I think that's an important thing to establish too, Brian, is ask yourself, what, what, are, what are our goals? What are, we, what are we trying to accomplish? Why do we have this event? Yeah. And so I mean, if, you want, if you want to address that, I have I a think, few things that I would yeah. say about that that I think are important in, in, in this regard. So let's, let's go there in a minute. Let's finish the, this idea of doing the funeral for a, um, for a, a church member. So you okay. would organize the service and walk through it all. And uh, a lot of times the pastor is the one that actually facilitates all that, even if you're not doing everything. So, good. How long would you uh, want the service to last? So, I believe that um, funerals that last longer than an hour um, can be pretty exhausting to a lot of people. Uh, I think somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes is a good range for a funeral, in my opinion. But that's also me preaching a pretty short sermon for a funeral, right. too. So, that, so, so how long would you prepare to, to speak uh, your own self? So I would say that if I'm doing the eulogy, uh, you know, 10 minutes for a eulogy, 10, 10 to 15 for a sermon. Okay. So it's pretty short. I mean, I, I, but I'm convinced that, that uh, shorter on those things, saying clear, memorable things for people uh, is is most helpful in a funeral setting. What, what about you? What do you? How long are you? I would doing? I would go probably even. Le- yeah, I would I would probably not want to push past thirty five minutes. Yeah, uh, total thirty five forty minutes. Just again, given given the intense, often emotional nature, and again, some yep. of this is going to depend. There's so many variables that come in. How old was the person who died? Under what circumstances did they die? Yep. Was it a sudden death? Was it a violent death? Yep. Uh, we're going to we'll talk about the, you know, was it a suicide? Yeah. Uh, were that, were they five years old is very different than if they're 95 years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, th- those kinds of things, uh, the, the <laughs> I, I say, uh, I don't want to be hard hearted with this, but, but the older a person gets, the lesser, the lesser, the tragedy. 
Because they've lived, and, lived a long life. Yeah, they've, they've lived, lived a, a long, long life. Yeah. And, and, and the shorter the life, the greater the tragedy that you're dealing with. I mean, death is in some ways, there's always, there's always a tragic element of death. It's a reminder of the curse. It's a reminder that that this isn't the way things ought to be. We're not, we're not, as much as we want to say it's all part of nature and all that, there's a part of it, the part of us that recognizes that it's not, that death is an mm. enemy that has intruded, that intruded itself yep. as a result of the fall. Well, and this person's now gone. Like, right. Other, and other than eternity, I'm not going to yeah. see this person again. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the list you were talking about. What are, you mentioned a couple of things that are essential in every funeral service. And then I'll go mention a couple as well. What do you think? Yeah. All right. So what are we trying to do? I mean, what, why are we gathered there? I think, I think there is an appropriate memorializing of the person. Yeah. I say appropriate that it has to be truthful. And sometimes we might do the funeral of a person who's really a nasty person or a person who didn't do a lot of very good things. Uh and, 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 and you say, okay, what are, what are without, you know, without lying about it, you know, but that are appropriate. And some people have lives that are well worthy of celebration. So I think there is an appropriate memorializing. Yep. That's part of the, and by the way, that's part of the grief as well as the memorializing side yeah. of that. Yep. The second thing is the comfort of, of the grieving. Now this gets into the more troubling aspect of, because Brian, you and I both believe that there is a heaven and we believe there's a hell. Mm-hmm. We also understand that we're not the final arbiter about who who is there. We we don't know uh, what happened and you know what happened in the final moments, what happened in the final days of this person's life. Uh, and so there are sometimes when there is a degree of uh, we we don't know. Everybody wants us to talk about this person as though they're they're in heaven. It's one of the pressures about doing a funeral, particularly if we're doing the funeral of a stranger doing the funeral of a non-church member or whatever. But, but again, assuming we're dealing with a churchman, we deal with the comfort of, of where they are and, and maybe even to a degree of, of how they got there. And what does this mean? You know, what mm-hmm. is this? Because we're talking about the intermediate state. We're, yeah. we're dealing with people. All the funerals we're going to deal with are going to be in the inter- intermediate state of a soul taken away from the body, a body awaiting the resurrection. Uh, one day that that body and soul will be joined back together. So we're, we're dealing with this separation. So where are they? What are they doing? What, what do they look like? I mean, some of those kinds of questions that mm-hmm. children might have. Where's grandma? What's grandma doing right now? What yeah. is grandma looking? You know, those kinds of things that can be very helpful as you're, as you're trying to comfort. But then my final point is I think you want to evangelize those in need of the gospel. Yeah. So those are the three things. I think it's appropriate to memorialize the dead. You want to give appropriate biblical Bible-based comfort to the living, mm. and then also an appeal to the unconverted. So those are the three things I think. What, what about yourself? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, those are my three things as well. Just worded a bit differently, but yeah, they're uh, that that idea of the the need for people to grieve, uh, and um, and making the gospel clear, uh, find how to find hope in the face of death, mm. and then. And then actually calling people to respond to the gospel in an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that some of the best fu- funeral advice I ever received, I believe, is is don't preach them into heaven, don't preach them into hell, just preach the gospel for the people who are there. Right. And I think as a general rule, that's true. Uh, we'll get in a minute. I want to talk about doing a funeral for somebody you don't know. But for some, and and when I'm doing a funeral for somebody I don't know, I don't feel uh, I don't feel it's appropriate for me to make a judgment on their soul either way. I right. did not know them. But if it's a church member who I'm thoroughly, I knew well, I'm thoroughly convinced they walked with Jesus, 
I had no problem oh, saying, you know, and, and celebrating yeah. a homecoming for them in in heaven with Jesus. But I think that that's really helpful advice. The funeral is for people who are there. It's for the living. It's right? for the living, and so I think being mindful of that. So yeah, helping people grieve, memorializing them, uh, the the deceased, um, make the gospel clear, and then call people to to respond to the gospel. And and I think those are the three main elements. I think there's multiple things from scripture readings and prayers and other things that can contribute to any of those those categories. But I think those are the three things. And by the way, I think it's this it's what every funeral should have, regardless of if it's somebody you know or not. So let's segue to that. That what about a funeral of somebody that you've I assume you've done some funerals that people you never have, have met before. I have only done I think one funeral for somebody I hadn't met before, but that they were related okay. to somebody in the church. So I'm probably in the range of about 200 funerals of people who I've never met before. That uh, so you can imagine I've done some crazy, been in some crazy situations, and I just want to say that even in those moments, the three things we just talked about apply the, the really the same way. You're gonna you're gonna go at them a bit differently, but how do you memorialize somebody you've never met before? Right. Uh, well, I have to totally rely on the family. So, but we still go meet with the family. And there are certain things when the family tells me something about them, I'll just take as accurate, and I will share that on behalf of the family and acknowledge that's what I'm doing. If somebody I don't know, their family says, "Yeah, and you know, they were, you know, they they uh, they followed Jesus and all these kind of things," and I, I you know, I'm glad to hear that if that's true. I actually will not speak about spiritual realities about the person I don't know. Real quickly, Brian, tell people, tell tell those listening uh, why you've done so many funerals for people you don't know. So uh, I partnered with a, our, I, there's a funeral home next to the church when I went to the church to Pastor Alberndale that asked me to come help with some funerals uh, that pe- when people came in and didn't have a pastor. And so I saw that as an opportunity to meet people in the community. I was a new pastor, uh, share the gospel with a group of people I didn't know, um, you know, try to help the funeral home out. I mean, I saw all these, these benefits um, and they, they paid me to do that. And so when, when, you know, my financial situation got in pretty dire straits when the church was really struggling that, you know, provided a little bit of extra income on top of that. But I, I went to this and helped this funeral home. And I would recommend that to anybody, by the way, if you're a pastor in a, in a community, go to the nearest funeral home and offer your services mm-hmm. to them. I guarantee you, they have people who come in, especially now that just the secularization of the culture, people don't right. have any connection to church or a pastor. It is a great opportunity to, to care for a family, but also to be able to share the gospel in an environment like that. So, but that's how I ended up doing so many of these, Jim, is that they, I just kept getting called by this, this funeral home to do these funerals that people I didn't know. Can I ask one very uh, practical question here yep. at this point? Uh, you mentioned getting paid. Is it appropriate to be paid for doing a funeral? And if so, what would be a ballpark figure if somebody were to say, if the family were to say to you, I don't know what I don't know what to pay a man for doing something like that. Or mm-hmm. if somebody or if the funeral home were to say, "What do you charge?" Because sometimes they'll ask that question. What do you charge for doing a funeral? Yeah. I'm glad you asked that question because some pastors feel weird taking money for a funeral. Um, I think I think you should totally be paid to do a funeral. I think you should totally be paid to do a wedding. I think okay. that's that that's what I think. You are providing a unique service in that moment. Right. That that uh, and that they're asking you to do, I think as a general sense, you should expect and and even insist that you are paid for a wedding and a funeral. Now, where I take an exception to that is if, if they were a church member 
that I do not ask to be paid. If they pay me, I take it. But I do not ask to be paid for that. Um, but when I go do a funeral, somebody didn't know, and that funeral home is basically hiring me to come in and, and do that. Um, $100. I think okay. $100 is just a good... I mean, it's going to be different in every different context. But a lot of times... And by the way, know this. A lot of times, if you're asked to do a funeral, even if it's a funeral for a church member, and the funeral home is doing it, built into that funeral cost that the family's paying for is to pay you right. to do the service. Right. So when you refuse to get paid, hey, I'm their pastor. I can't take any money. Well, you're in a sense, if they let you do that, which they shouldn't, but if they let you do that, you're basically giving the money back to the funeral home. You're not okay. giving it back to the family. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I thought that was a... So that's an important question. But either way, I think this template we're talking about, these three areas, is something to go after with in regard to funerals of people you know, but also people you, you don't know, even though the content of what you say uh, personally about that individual is going to be different. I want to segue to uh, maybe some difficult situations. Yeah. How do you do funerals? So... So we had somebody ask us uh, on social media, rightfully so, uh, somebody who, uh, who dies by suicide. What? <clears throat> how do you approach a funeral in that way, in that context, Jim? When when you have somebody yeah. who who died in that way, or you know, died tragically and young, or or yeah. Well, let's maybe uh, go through a few of these categories. Yeah. But I, I think the suicide question it's it's something that I think all of us are going to have to deal with at, at at some point or another, either you know in the church or through our relationships. You know, many would know that uh, you know in the Catholic Church, it's a it's 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 essentially an unpardonable sin. If you right. commit suicide, you're going to hell. And I guess the idea behind that is you can't repent of it. You know, you you know, every other sin you you can commit, you can repent of it, but you kill yourself, you can't repent of it. That idea. So I think you need to ask the question first of all. You know, is it can can people commit suicide and go to heaven? And I th- and and I think Brian, both of us would answer that. That yeah, I mean to answer it most starkly, yes. I would say yes. Yeah, yes. I would just you know, say yes. And, yes. and yeah, so uh, that this their exit does not preclude them from heaven. That this is not an automatic, you know. Um, obviously, it raises it raises you know you know questions in people's minds. How, how did they get to such a place? How did they how did they lose hope? And I think that I think at some point you have to address the elephant in the room in that. And and to say our our, our friend or this beloved son brother daughter wife husband whatever it is got to a point you know even where the 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 hope that they had in Christ got obscured for a time and, and that in and in this moment this is this is what they this is what they did now. You know, and then you, you 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 deal with that. But I think you have to. I think you would at least deal with that. Particularly again, if you have a professing Christian who's committed suicide, if you have a non-Christian who's committed suicide, I, again, I think there's that's where. I think you have to have a tension, Brian. Where where. You need to have the confidence to be able to speak truth, but you also don't. Be, Speaking the truth doesn't mean we have to be cruel with the truth or obnoxious with the truth. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to be a faithful man. I'm going to say the thing nobody else will say, and I'm going to say this person. You know, whatever it is, yeah. that's missing the 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 opportunity before you. Yeah. I think what you can say is that you know we're here in a situation where somebody lost hope. How does somebody lose hope? You know, but there is a is there a hope you can't ultimately lose? And, you know, and that sort of a thing, so that you're addressing it. <clears throat> But again, because the funeral is for the living, mm-hmm. it's not for the dead. 
doesn't do anything for the dead. The dead are dead, and, and they, are, they have gone and they've stood before the Lord. Everything has already been done as far <coughs> they're not watching from their fishing boat. They're not, you know, that's another thing. Make sure you don't give ridiculous, fanciful, yep. you know, uh, he's up there grilling burgers. No, he's not, you know, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. <coughs> so I think that we, we, what we have to do with this, that when the tougher issues happen, uh, death by suicide, an infant dies, a child dies. Like, I, I, we, have to, we have to really be mindful theologically, biblically, what we believe about these things. That is not the time to be the first time you wrestle with this issue the, theologically. So I would, I would just first say, make sure you wrestle through these things now. Right. Um, because if you wrestle through them as you're having conversations with people, you're going to not be helpful to people in most cases. You're going to potentially say something that's not going to be helpful or yeah. something that you even will regret saying. So I think whether it's all these difficult situations like this, make sure at least where at least where you know where you are in that moment and then where you just don't know what to do. You need to acknowledge, you know, I don't, I don't have the answer to this. That's actually okay to, to bring to the table when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, and so I think somebody who... Uh, you know, dies by suicide. Um, you're gonna what you say at a funeral. Determine what you believe, and then be very pastoral with how you share that exactly. information. That's really kind of the I would say the two aspects of a template around this. Know what you believe at least in this moment, and having thought through that, do the homework if you have it. Ask people, talk about it, but then be pastoral in the way you communicate whatever truth you think lies there that you can point to. I want to ask you, Jim, about this one, kind of maybe as a last thought, um, because because you lost a child. Uh, yes. And what what's the best way you think to approach a funeral of someone who's maybe just lost you know, a stillborn or a, a, a baby that, or even a young <clears throat> child that those are the obviously really tragic things that uh, can can affect not just those parents, but that a community in a church and that pastor who's trying to do that funeral. What advice do you give around that? Yeah, I, I think again, you have to recognize that there is a. These all come with their own pain. You know, there there's a whole levels of of pain that that family is going through, mm-hmm. and so again, you know, pre funeral and meeting with them and talking with them. Obviously, at the you know, you're, there's not a lot you can say about necessarily the life of the child, or you know, the, you know, the, the, there may not be much to say about their personality because they may not have lived long enough to you know to establish. Uh, some of those things every day with the child makes the loss all the more painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I, I, parents are going to ask some questions about because you know we, we our gospel you know, that that we proclaim is that uh, that that Christ came and you know he lived he died for sinners he 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 died on the cross he rose from the dead and and do you believe this you know and that we're Baptists and so. Uh, we reserve baptism for confessions of faith, and here's so here's a child cannot cannot articulate that faith or confess that faith or know that faith, and so again you're you're dealing with some of these areas. Well, what does that what does that mean about that child? Did, did they have a soul? Of course, they have a soul. You know, and that's the other uh, theological and, and, and stuff. So you have this to, is the theological to, stuff to you got to wrestle with, yeah. and, yep. and there are some good and helpful resources. 
uh, on this, you, and you know, I have I did, on on the uh, funeral marker for a child is you know a text that talks about uh, the pleasures that are there at God's right hand, um, yeah. and you know every every reason and hope and confidence that that little one uh, beheld the face of God. The first face that they saw was that yeah. of, you know was, was that of the Lord Jesus, and, and so you have um, there is a peculiar. Uh, way in which you have to go about uh, in that ministry. Uh, the most emotionally difficult uh, funeral I ever did was for a, uh, a little child who was three or four uh, years old, a handicapped child uh, mm. with a number of birth defects okay. uh, who had died. Uh, just, just the whole emotion of that was so, so raw. It yeah, was so painful, yeah. uh, in, uh, in in so many ways. And you know, so you're there again. You have to be able to hold yourself together. Uh, to be able to enter in. I mean, again, you want to enter in. I think there's an appropriate pathos and emotion that we can bring. Uh, that God can use in the lives of believers and unbelievers that we're not emotionally detached right. from what is going on. Um, but then recognizing, again, there's so much, there's a lot of post-funeral work that's going to be need to yeah. be done. Pastoral right? care yeah, a lot them, of pastoral yeah. care and not to forget them and not to forget uh, that loss and in, in whether you highlighted but you know at a year but at least that first year that first particularly that first year something about that first year of a loss um it 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 does begin to ease but there is something about that first year uh that you that you remember that you tell them you're praying for them that you allow them to speak about that loss so those things i think are very important pastorally that's good and and maintaining a relationship yeah that's really good and there's Tons more we could talk about, but we want to wrap uh, this up maybe with one final word of advice just about from maybe each one of us uh, in regard to a pastor thinking through different kinds of funerals, uh, what he wants to accomplish with a funeral, any final piece of advice you would want to give a pastor on this. Yeah, I think Brian, the, the issues, I don't know if I can put it in one final word wrap up, but but that, that whole issue of presence, being there... <clears throat> entering in as best you can to the uh, to their to their loss and to their pain, <clears throat> they're going to remember that, uh, and and they will love you for it yeah. as you strive to love them for it. Um, you have a real opportunity to do a lot of good. So again, you mentioned in the beginning: don't run away from it, uh, run toward run it, or embrace it. the pain of it. Yep. <clears throat> So you took mine, so I'm going to just reiterate it because it's so good, I think. And that's, you know, as we're talking about, we talked about a lot of logistics. Talk to the family, get this information, plan the service, all these things. Yeah, like if you miss that, you're supposed to also just be present with these people. You've missed the opportunity. Uh, So the opportunity is not get the information to do the funeral. So when you meet with a family or whatever it is, like you need to, when you're with them, you need to just sit and listen. Part of the grieving process is letting them share with their pastor who knows, loves them, who's with them. And not only is going to do this funeral, but you're just going to be with them in their grief. And that's going to continue after the funeral. So, you know, presence before, presence during, <clears throat> presence after. Figure out those are three different opportunities to be present, which ministers to people who are hurting and grieving. Find out, you know, really pray and be mindful of 
how you need to show up in each one of those moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why it's important to be pastoral and also to know your people. So let me take a minute and pray uh, for pastors trying to think through this. Lord, I'm grateful that we have hope in, in Christ when we face death and that we can run to painful situations as pastors because you call us there and you give us grace to, to, do, to do the ministry you've called us to there. So Lord, give us wisdom and help us to love grieving people well. Help us to, to grieve ourselves in pain and loss. But Lord, help us to have hope, always knowing and mindful of, of the resurrection that is before us and we, uh, of, of Christ's resurrection that it promises us resurrection and, and all those who are in Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.